Hi-ho, Silverliners, and welcome to another episode of the Lunch Ladies News Wrap Podcast. I'm the evil genius, Liz Coyne, and managing editor here at Silver Linings, and I'm here with my minions, executive editor Diana Guberts, and my special guest, senior reporter Dan Jones. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello, hello, hello. That's the sound minions make, right? Ready for episode seven. (laughs) Liz, what special have you cooked up for us this week? In the cloud news world, we've got a side of green eggs and ham, which is one of my favorite books. But really, we've got a great lineup for you all this week, starting with an appetizer from IHOP. Once again, pancakes are on the menu, folks. Lunch ladies diehards will know that we already covered an agreement between Waffle House and Oracle in episode three, but it also turns out that the great international house of pancakes is rolling out Google Cloud's AI recommendation tech to improve its online ordering system. So I don't know. Do you think that the online ordering system would actually recommend like more syrup for me, Diana? I mean, I hope so. And also let's hope that AI hallucination is a thing. So let's hope it doesn't hallucinate and only actually recommends things on the menu. Yeah. I don't know. Dan, do you think that the AI would hallucinate that you need more coffee or maybe that's not a hallucination? You just always need more coffee. That's really not. All right. Speaking of breakfast treats and meats, let's move on to the meat side of our episode. For those of you who aren't aware, Dan Jones is our senior reporter here at Silver Linings, and he covers everything 5G and AI. Dan, can you kick things off for us this week? Is there some cloud-related 5G news out there happening that you want to show off? Oh, yeah. There's been like a a major IPO this week um, from cloud infrastructure player, chip designer, ARM which is owned by SoftBank, but basically earned a lot out of the gate on its IPO. I know. There's, I mean, gosh, it's been all over the news this week. It's exciting, right? Lots of people investing. Yep. Yep. Dan, this isn't ARM's first time being uh, a public company. Isn't that right? They, They used to be public and then they went dark for seven years. So is there anything that is significant about them returning to being a public company now? What are you hearing from analysts and that sort of thing? The, the significant thing for their owner, which is SoftBank in, from Japan, is that SoftBank still owns 90% of ARM. They've only sold off 10%. They've got a big payday. I mean, this is now a $60 billion company, so it's good for SoftBank for sure. Has SoftBank rolled out standalone 5G or maybe they could use this to bankroll it? That could be interesting. Oh, yeah, for sure. What other companies is SoftBank invested in on the tech and telecom side? There are quite a few, right? Yeah, yeah. They used to be a major holder of Sprint until that merger went through. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't remember if they sold off their holdings to Deutsche Telekom or not, but for sure they're heavily involved in that area, right, Dan? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know whether they still have some small stake in kind of T-Mobile as is, but yeah, they were heavily involved with Sprint and that kind of messed up for them. But this yeah. looks success- This ARM thing looks successful, so there we go. When it comes to competitors of ARM, Dan, who is ARM up against? Well, Intel is their big kind of 5G competitor. And then they're more complementary in a way than they are competitors, but they're also complementary. And Intel is a, a big investor in 
um, for this IPO as well as NVIDIA and Apple. So I don't, we don't know what's going to happen from this point on, but clearly Intel is going to be a lot more involved in architecture from now on. Okay. So Diana, let's loop you in. What have you got for us for this week? So we've been talking about it for what feels like forever, certainly over the past couple episodes. But this week, I'm serving up a story I wrote about Wayfair's cloud transition. So the company just finished lifting and shifting 6,000 apps to the cloud. Of those, they've already refactored a little over 3,000, so about halfway through. And I spoke when I was at Google Cloud Next with Matt Ferrari, who has a crazy title I won't even attempt, (laughs) but is basically Wayfair's cloud chief. And he said... The key takeaways about the transition are that they're doing it largely for scale and to tap into the power of the cloud. He also said that rather than lifting and shifting everything, if he was given the chance to redo it all, he would focus on rebuilding some apps to be cloud native up front. So rather than refactoring them later, he would do that before moving them. But as he told me, he wasn't there when this whole process started, he joined Wayfair shortly after. That was an interesting question that I asked him. And the last thing I wanted to share is that he advised enterprises that one of the most important things they can do when moving to the cloud is tag their cloud assets so that when the bill comes in, the usage can be tied and charged back to the right departments. That way they're not just getting a hulking bill and have no idea what to do with it. That's interesting. One of the stories I wanted to highlight this week was also about enterprises and preparing, uh, but this one is about preparing for AI. Dan, uh, who's with us on the podcast now, wrote a really great uh, story about a recent survey from Comprise that's asked 300 enterprises about their AI plans. We all know that AI is all over the news right now. And Comprise has found that 31% of companies are preparing for AI now, which to me doesn't seem like a lot. I don't know about you guys. I expected that number to be higher. Didn't you, Dan? Possibly. I mean, but I also expected the the second number they gave me, which was the cloud cost number to be higher as well, because they said that 22% of companies were trying try to find a way to reduce their cloud costs. And they said that was the second most important thing. So I would have expected both those numbers to be higher. Yeah. Only 22% are looking at reducing their yeah, cost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just seems nuts. You'd yeah. think more for sure. And the final stat was that 40% of companies will use multiple approaches to mitigate AI risks like security. I think that could also be higher. It seems, I don't know, is there a lock-in on security that we don't know about? But it seems like you're going to have multiple approaches because there's not just one AI platform. You're going to need multiple ways to protect your networks, I would think. Before we hop over to our dessert. I just want to talk about what's coming up on our our stories for next week. Diana, give me a little bit of an overview about what you're going to be writing next week. Sure. So I am hoping to set up some interesting interviews. And coming on Monday, I have a story about a cloud manifesto that just came out from a mobile group. That's really interesting. The question there is, what's in the manifesto? And more importantly, does it really matter? Is anybody even paying attention to this? But yeah, so we'll definitely be taking a look at that next week. Dan, what do you have coming? Following on from the ARM stuff, I have Qualcomm AI stuff that I'm looking at next week, next Monday, in fact. And then on Wednesday, I'll be doing a rundown of 
what's been happening at the Intel conference that's happening next week. Oh, right. Yeah, that big Intel event should be definitely interesting. I know Oracle World is going on right now, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So we can expect some Oracle news very soon. Uh, So we'll be keeping an eye on that, listeners. The other thing is we've got our intern looking at a story on how to keep your job in the world of AI. So definitely keep an eye out for that. And I think we should now head on over to our dessert section, which is always my personal favorite part of the show. And I thought this week we could talk about hobbies because all of us here at Silver Linings have some really interesting hobbies. And one of the things that I've recently started doing is playing clarinet again. I joined a community band in April. I started my clarinet up again after not having played since 1989 at the University of Pittsburgh with a pit marching band for one year. One year was about enough for me because I don't know if anybody out there has ever been in a university marching band. It is super intense. Practice every day from six to nine, memorize new shows every week. And it's definitely not fun. So my hobby of late is joining uh, a community band, which is very laid back and everybody's super nice. And my funny part of the story is that when I registered to the local community college, for some reason, I got registered as my first name being 11. So I'm listed (laughs) as 11 coin on everything. And so now everybody in the band just calls me 11. Like nobody will call me Liz. They just yell 11. And I'm like, yep. So uh, Diana and uh, Dan, I now also answer to the name 11. Um, I will noted. I will definitely be calling you 11 all the time now. Okay. (laughs) What hobby have you recently taken up? We've, I think we've already covered that I'm an old lady and I crochet and I garden a lot. This past week, I actually, after 20 years, I can't believe I can say it's been 20 years since I've done something. I feel old to you guys. After 20 years, I finally got back in the saddle and started taking horse riding lessons again. So I'm pretty excited about that. My horse's name was Charlie. He was a very (laughs) handsome boy. And I did not fall off and I was very proud of myself. So hopefully soon I will be cantering and going over jumps. I'm excited. That feeling of flying is priceless. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Also very brave of you. Horses are giant (laughs) and I'm slightly afraid of them. They're so cute. No, they are very cute and very friendly, but I'm still afraid of them. I don't know. I just, they're like cats. I'm also afraid of cats. I really like cats, but then- (laughs) You never know what they might do. <laughs> I feel the same with horses. Uh, okay. Dan, what's your hobby? What's your hobby? I'm a long-time guitar player and kind part-time of a collector cat. of part-time cat. <laughs> and I've recently been doing a little bit of bird watching as well, just because I've been going around a lot in my hometown of Brooklyn and just looking at the kind of water areas and the parks and everything. So I've been doing a bit of that. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I know New York and Central Park is famous for its birds. Oh, yeah. And bird watchers. If you're out there looking uh, for birds, keep your eye out. And you're in Brooklyn, keep your eye out for Dan Jones. He'll be the one in the hat with some binoculars. All right, folks, let's leave it there. But before we go, I just want to remind everybody that our Telco Core Strategies Summit is coming up next week. That's September 18th. It's a free virtual event. So you can please go to our website, sign up, tune in on the 18th for a couple hours. We've got a great lineup of speakers, including folks from BT. And then after that, 
at the end of this month, our Cloud Innovation Awards are going to open. Um, those will be open to everybody. So keep your eye out for that on the website. And we're gearing up to host our inaugural Cloud Executive Summit in December from December 6th to the 7th uh, in Sonoma, California. Beautiful. So stay tuned for speaker announcements for that. We should have a couple in the next few weeks. So I think that's it for uh, us this week here on the Lunch Ladies plus the Lunch Man. This week, special <laughs> guest, Dan Jones. Um, Diana, over to you for the credits. This podcast is written and hosted by Elizabeth Coyne and Diana Gruvertz. It is edited and produced by Matt Rickman. Special thanks to this week's guest, Dan Jones.